Space toga parties, the Artemis necklace, sitting on stairs, and is that a JoJo reference? All this and more on the next episode of Galactic History 101. everyone once again we're back we decided to come back uh it was a close one today but uh we shifted it a few times but we're here uh and we're ready to ready to chat chat some galaxies galaxy chat and maybe that's a better name for this show um something there i'm sure there's something there you know uh what is what is it uh uh it's like central perk you know we could do like like something there, you know, like what if this is like we're just all drinking coffees, just talking about talking about galaxies, get the the galaxy cream, no, you know, the no. cream of the cream of the crop, <laughs> cream of the cream of the coffee crop, Sir, the I F and K agree. are in the coffee, um, you know. I prefer tea. We have. I prefer tea. Yes. Has to be tea, and we have to have some. The tea and bourbon cast. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, it's brandy. Brandy. And oh, it's tea. brandy. See, I don't like brandy though. I I don't think tea mat like matches well with hard liquor anyway. But, yeah. You know. To, tea and whiskey, hot toddy. That's good. That's yeah, good. Yeah, I can see that. Mm. Well, when you're a sad boy, you take your liquor however you can. True. Right, yeah. right. True. I mean. Put it in the tea. It's the same color. Let's go. Yeah. No one can tell. <laughs> um, uh, well, anyway, uh, yeah. Hi, I'm Mick. I'm from Atlanta. Let's just do intros now. Molly, Kevin, Allen, please, in that order. Hey, I'm Molly, 70s shoujo enthusiast from the Pittsburgh area. Hello again. <laughs> hey, I'm Y'all have such good intros. Mine's so bad. Just keep going. Keep going. Kevin, Hey, yours is great. I love yours. I keep interrupting it. Because hey, I'm Kevin, Prince librarian from Flint. I'm playing the new Paper Mario and kind of enjoying it, actually. Okay. I want to try that. I should buy a Switch at some point. Yes, Hi, my name's Alan. I'm in New Jersey. I don't own a Switch. I see. I okay. Maybe I'll redo mine. Hi, I'm Mick in Atlanta, and I played Mahjong for five hours last night over Discord. Ooh, uh, fun stuff. How'd you do? Uh, I th- we lost to the CPUs more than either of us won. It was me and a friend versus two CPUs. Uh, but I think I was. I had two wins. And he had one win, and then the CPUs had seventeen wins, or something like that. <laughs> it was it wasn't good. We were playing hard CPUs, but okay. uh, but that's only the second level of four. So if it makes it was in the better. clubhouse games. Yeah, yeah. Makes feeling better. I am actually still terrible at mahjong, as uh, the both of you will remember. 
you did great for having never played before. Yeah, um, yeah it, I think I had to play for like 25 hours in Yakuza before I was even close to decent. <laughs> so there's that. I wouldn't even call myself decent. Like I still can't read what you're going for from your discards. I'm just focused on my hand and making it not suck. <laughs> I've gotten okay at that, but still not great. Anyway, uh, Mahjong talk aside, <laughs> uh, very fun game. If you have a Switch, it's included. Whoa, excuse me. And you want to get into a hard version of poker, basically. Uh, poker hard mode. It's included in uh, the 51 Clubhouse Games Collection. Fun times. Okay, uh, on that note, we're back in the galaxy, in the other galaxy, whatever galaxy. No, this in the galaxy. Um, watching two more episodes here, uh, the Castrop Uprising and the, what was the second one called? The Knights of the Rose, I believe, something like that. Uh, there it is. Yep, the Knights of the Rose. I should bold these so that I can find them when I'm looking for them. Oh, thanks, Google. That's really cool. Whenever If you bold something and it's like one line, it becomes a clickable title on the navigation bar. Oh, Google, cool. is, nice. Google is showing up with their technology here. Uh, yeah, so this is two more episodes of the show. We reversed the order this time. So we're starting with uh, an Empire episode and then doing a Free Planets Alliance episode. Um, so I would say before we start here, the, the thing that I, uh, thought the most while I was going through this was, wow, I'm glad I'm not watching this shit weekly because that there is zero way I would remember anything if I was watching one episode a week as it was coming out, like, and not thinking about it, right? Like if this if this was like in the Gundam Wing slot on Toonami or something, right? Like, no way that I could not follow this to save my life. <laughs> right. If I did not have this list of names and pictures to go with everyone. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there's there's a lot going on in in these episodes, as usual, I suppose. Uh, I think I wrote about 6,000 words this time in my summaries. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fun stuff. It's fun stuff. I'm at 950. So, you know, oh, almost slightly less than you. That's a lot, actually, man. Like, you know, if, if I am literally, like, rewriting the episode, basically, as I'm, as I'm going through here. Uh, if if you have 950 words of thoughts, you probably will have more to say than than even myself on any of these given subjects. I'm just telling you the subjects, and then you're going to talk about them. Cool. Okay. So, uh, Cash Up Uprising, Episode 5. Uh, we kind of start with a, a narrator hit here. Uh, I do I do enjoy this narrator, I gotta say. He's here with us constantly. He never stops. He's just uh, telling us about literally everything we could want to know at any given time. And the way that we start here is a zoom in on a mostly blue planet. Uh, you don't really see any land masses. There's a decent amount of clouds, but it's like all blue. And it kind of has a, uh, a ring around it, kind of like a... a uh, Jupiter's ring or Uranus's ring where it's like uh, it's not directly connected to the planet kind of like Saturn's is it's you know further out from the planet and then 
um, surrounding it, but it's made of big ass rocks. Um, so, uh, yeah, you can literally see the individual rocks. It doesn't look like a flat ring or anything like that. Uh, so we kind of just, uh, keep zooming in and the narrator is giving us a hit on, uh, this Duke Eugen Kastrop, who's the former minister of finance for the empire. And that this guy's just lined his own coffers. He stole money from the empire. Basically, uh, the empire didn't really care, uh, until he died. And then the empire was like, well, we need, we need those funds back. But his son, Maximilian uh, Maximilian von Kastrop did not want to give that money back because uh, he'd become used to a certain lifestyle, which is a very Roman toga party esque <laughs> lifestyle, yeah. uh, and didn't and needed that money to uh, to fund fund his life. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like the the intro we get from the narrator. So the interesting thing about this one is that I feel like it's just kind of uh, another continuation of the thing that we've been seeing the last, you know, we've had, what, three Empire episodes now? Fully half of this stuff has been Empire episodes. Uh, uh, I Yeah, this is the third, like, straight Empire episode. The first two, I would say, are kind of both. Okay, but we've been seeing a lot of the... The noble, the nobility kind of is useless. The nobility is corrupted, and well, hey, look at that! To the point where we've got space toga parties, <laughs> uh, and you can. But uh, it's really interesting, even in this first scene where you've got the the current Maximilian and his advisor. If you just literally look at the look at the dress that they're in, that tells you all you need to know about their different perspectives. I feel like. Because this one's yeah. definitely in the middle of the Roman Bacchanalia. So rather, you know, yeah. flanked by women, and the other one's an adult. Which, I mean, he's still kind of, you know, floppy, but he's an adult. <laughs> Just because he's wearing purple doesn't make him floppy, okay? That's it's a royal the, color. The, the, I don't know what these things are called. He's trying to be the adult in the situation. <laughs> Dealing with yeah. hedonism bot here who apologizes for oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, just just that decadent Roman <laughs> lifestyle, dressed like might we even say Caesar? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean I know this episode was very subtle about that <laughs> in the next one, but it was quite subtle. Quite subtle. Um yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe to set the scene a little bit here, there's like a really, there's a large temple, like you really have to go up like a long way to get to this temple, like it was, whether or not he's going for a Roman feel, right, like this planet is already set up to be a Roman feel, (laughs) unrelated to him dressing in togas and having a toga party. Um, so we get like a long vertical zoom up this mountain to get to the top where, uh, we see Maximilian von Kastrop in his toga with his, like, his toga cape drooped around the front of him and tucked in, which was like a strange look. None of the other togas have that. It's just him. Um, and he's sitting in a, a golden throne with, with long horn horns coming out of the side of it. And like... It looks like a robot head 
piece just sitting on top, which is where the hedonism bot comment. Like it is the hedonism bot chair. Yep. Right? Like that's that's what it is. It's what it is. Uh yeah. He's so and he's, horny, even his chair is horny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh he just kind of looks like a shit heel, really, is the thing too. He's He's got, like, a part in his hair. It's long hair coming down to, like, his chin level. It's wavy. Uh, and he uh, looks like a child. He looks like a child. Um, so next to him, we uh, when we first zoom in, we've got uh, Franz von Merendorf next to him. Uh, and he's kind of, like, giving him some advice on kind of, like, hey, there's 3,000 chips on your wave, so watch out. And... And, uh, yeah, there, 3,000 ships feels pretty low to me here, too, um, considering the scales of the other battles we've seen. Uh, but I was thinking, if Max doesn't have his own... I started calling him Max, also. Uh, he's Maximilian, but, uh, you know, uh, among, among us Toga bros here, uh, we go by the first three letters of a name, and so he's Max. Um... And anyway, I was thinking if Max doesn't have his own fleet, right, then 3,000 ships is probably enough to completely destroy him. (laughs) So I guess I understand why they only sent 3,000 ships. Uh, I would assume, like, I I don't know. It just gets into some interesting stuff of, like, should each planet have its own fleet to protect itself with, right? Like, he's he's on a fucking planet, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Well, he spent some money on his self-defense, as we soon find out. Yes, he's like, that hey, is true. can I buy my own Death Star? <laughs> and then they were like, no. Yeah. But. So, but. <laughs> but. But. So, uh, Max gets mad that Mariendorf is telling him uh, to, like, care, basically, <laughs> about these fleets this fleet this coming so max is like fuck the empire they never said shit to my dad when he was stealing their money how dare they come for me now how dare they want this money back fuck them and then we get a the largest television we've seen in the show thus far um which uh is behind the largest curtain we've seen in the show thus far uh, which gets spread to reveal a shot of space where we see the ships coming in. And he's like, ha ha, I've got a surprise for them. These guys suck. We also get a shot of uh, my favorite guy in this episode, who is a, this bald dude with a very long beard, um, who's kind of uh, just yeah. standing near Max. He doesn't do anything at this point. So creep. He has a name. No. We haven't gotten to it. Oh, no name? No. He's unnamed? But I know the guy you're talking about. He... Yes. <laughs> you can see the edge of him in the picture of Max here at the in the uh, list. Uh, anyway, he's he looks great. Uh, I like him. Um, so we kind of cut to the fleet, and the fleet's like, oh, there's, there's enemy battle satellites in orbit. And you're like, what's up with that? Uh, you kind of see these l- small Isser loins, basically, is what it looks like. It's the same, like, liquid metal-esque look, um, mixed in with the rocks. Um, so, 
Yeah, there's there's a few of them. We we get like a info brief on the Artemis necklace now from I think the uh, the narrator gives us this. Um, sorry, excuse me again. Uh, it kind of seems like the way that I took this was the rocks that are floating in space are like prisms, and the pieces that the large Isserloi nest pieces are shooting lasers and then the prisms are reflecting them around and then all of those lasers destroy anything that gets close to it. Um, that was kind of the way I... They didn't actually say that, but that was from this episode what I took to be the way that they work. <laughs> sure. I feel like that's as good a guess as any. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I, I, I feel like there's... There's nothing shown in the small rocks. It's only there's like a laser that comes out of the Isserloin-esque thing. Um, and so once those happen, it kind of blows up. So anyway, the uh, the fleet gets close. The uh, wait. Yep. Yep. The fleet gets close and then they they just start blowing up all the fleet does. Uh, and Max is like doing his crazy laugh. Uh, he's a crazy guy. He is shown to be crazier and crazier throughout this whole thing. Um, and he starts to get like, you see a little bit of him getting really mad when one of the ships tries to get away, which is like, why would they not try to get away? I'm not I, like, why are you mad about this? Right? Like it's it anyway, just felt a little, a little much to me. I feel like it's to show how kind of, out of it he is he's just yeah. not quite all there and he's kind of sadistic and he's just like losing it little by little but he's kind of still keeping it together at this point yeah yeah um so uh our boy Dorf is like how what how did you get this what what is happening and he's like if you have enough money in this galaxy you can buy anything you want from anyone and uh Marindorf's like Oh, so you went to the the war people, huh? The you went to the Fazan War Military Industrial Complex, huh? And then Max is like, "Shut up, fuck you! I'm putting you in jail." Um, now that you've guessed that I bought this thing that Fazan made from Fazan, I'm going to put you in jail. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, he just gets taken away, and we don't see him again for the rest of the episode. Uh, Mariendorf, that is. Uh, so then we go to Fazan because that's what happens in this show. You you hear about a thing, and then you go there. Uh, Rubinsky is getting briefed about Castrop, and he's apparently Fazan engineered the situation to reduce the Empire's fleet because they won too easily in the last conflict at Isserloin. <laughs> Which, again, it's like, okay, Rubinsky's running this fucking shadow government over here to uh, to make sure that both sides face enough losses so that they keep buying from them. <laughs> <laughs> he Truly, he has created the outerest of outer heavens. Um, yes. Um, yeah. So... That's all we get of Fazan. It's just a very quick, like, hey, here's Fazan. They're here, orchestrating things. Hope you like to see it. Uh, Ravinsky is still ridiculous, and Lex Luthor, it's it's so, like, even just, like, three seconds of him, you're like, oh, my God, this this fucking guy. 
<laughs> He's great. I love him. Yeah. He's yeah. He's just like so obviously evil in certain ways that it's hard to hard to not love him for it, you know? Especially because uh, no one's really going after him. He just gets to sit on the sidelines as being evil as he wants and right. no one cares. It's like you go for it, man. Rabinsky just just evil in for evil's sake. Like, hey, we've got to kill these people so that they'll buy more ships from us. Right. He has a moment at the end of the episode when we get to it. I love it. Same, same. Yes. Well, he is the only bald character in the entire show. So maybe he just he had to make up for it in some way. He's just like, listen, it's not a popular, popular hairstyle, but... He's the only... F- the only fully bald, he to is. be clear, yeah. because we have my bearded guy, who I love, well, in yeah, Max's so crew. There's no one There's no one important who's bald, I think, except Rubinsky. Well, I feel like Rubinsky is a deliberate choice to be bald. He's like the right. Lex Luthor of bald. He's like, this is a stylistic decision. It's to show off like my, my really good turtleneck. It matches a little bit. <laughs> And that's it. He just wanted to distinguish himself from everybody else. I shave three times a day for this look, and you better believe that it's fucking worth it. That's that's the Rubinsky style here. Um, yeah, so we kind of... Uh, Rubinsky's like, oh man, you know, our plans might be ruined if the golden-haired brat shows up. Dot dot dot, and we fade to seeing uh, Kiriki Ice and Reinhardt kind of just uh, uh, walking around into a briefing. Uh, Kiriki Ice has been promoted, you can tell because of his collar. Uh, he no longer has a gap between the silver on his chest, it is one connected piece. Um, and we kind of get a, an intro to all of Reinhardt's admirals here. Uh, so that's good to see because I needed to see all of their names. Um, so we've got, and I've given them a brief description here. If any of you have a better one that you want to go with, chime in uh, and go ahead, Alan. No, 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 you first. Okay. So uh, the, the order shown here of the seven vice admirals and the one rear admiral that are under... Uh, under our boy uh, Reinhard, we start with Vice Admiral, and again, this translation stuff. Sorry, I'm watching VRV translation. Everyone else is watching uh, sub. Um, I think the VRV translation is from the the Blu-rays. I don't know though. Um, either way, I don't get everyone's name, and they use Vice Admiral. Oh, I guess uh, the the sub used Vice Admiral this time too. I think they use like. Something that started with the C, like Commodore or something, in one of the earlier ones. Uh, anyway, so Vice Admiral is correct ar- across both this time, so that's good. Uh, so we've got Vice Admiral August Samuel Wall- Wallen, uh, which I said brown reddish hair, no beard, skinny face. Uh, is that's that's our first guy here. Uh, he doesn't have any words I, in this episode, and in fact, I think all but three of these people are wordless. Uh, Vice Admiral Cornelius Lutz, uh, which I like. I like the name Lutz. That's a good name. He's kind of got like uh, brownish blonde hair. It's like 
it's darker than blonde, but it's lighter than brown. Uh, no facial hair, skinny face. Again, uh, both of these guys have thick eyebrows. Same uh, haircut too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's reversed. The part is reversed. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the only difference between them. Uh, um, the haircut is like, well, just parted hair and then bang, swept to one side. Um, then we've got uh, Vice Admiral Carl Gustav Kempf, who has uh, darker brown hair. Uh, this is You can see a lot more of his forehead. It's parted in the middle into yep. both sides. Uh, it's interesting look. Uh, not a look you see too much. Uh, no facial hair, and he's and he's a little stockier than everybody else. Um, Vice Admiral Fritz Joseph Bittenfeld. Bittenfeld. He has a mullet, orange hair, uh, really thin eyebrows. Like like he's gotta either paint those on or uh, pick them heavily. Very thin, just the thinnest eyebrows. Um, go Grew ahead. up in the early thousands. Eyebrows. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yes and and orange hair also very interesting hair color uh and also a skinny face uh then we've got uh our boy our the return of of mustache man uh <laughs> ernest mecklinger um i wrote here this is mustache man from the film uh he, he has black hair it's parted down the middle uh but it's long it's a much better look than Gustav or Carl Gustav Kemp's part, um, and he's got his thin mustache. He's a good, good boy. I like him a lot. Uh, then we see the return of well, I guess Mustache Man was the first familiar face, but uh, we get to main characters again. Uh, Wolfgang Mitter, Wolfgang Mittermeier. Uh, we all know and love this scrappy blonde guy. Uh, he's he's back. He's still blonde, uh, and he's here. You know he's. He's saluting. He's a good boy. I like him a lot. Uh, and then we've also got uh, Oscar von Ruenthal. I call him Wolf Guy, even though the other guy's name is Wolf, um, because he has two different colored eyes, skinny face, dark brown hair. He's got a part. His part looks a lot better than anyone else's part here. Like he he put, spent some time on his hair, uh, unlike anyone else. So. <laughs> Yeah, he looks like he uses product where everyone else is just oh, like, wash dry, let's go. Oh, he definitely does. Yeah. Also, he definitely draws on his eyebrows, too. He's got that. Yes. yes. Yeah. He's got that early aughts eyebrows. That is a penciled eyebrow if I've ever yes. seen one. <laughs> but he does a better job than the redhead on it, I think. I agree. Yes. Red's just yes. a very hard color, okay? Like he's, it's hard to match. He's doing his best. God bless him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Fair enough. So, the thing that I really like about uh, Royenthal is that anytime he starts talking, I don't know. Like, I was like, who is this man? I have to find out. I know this voice. Turns out, it's Norio goddamn Wakamoto. So, I don't know how, how deep into the weave culture you guys have gotten. It's the anime voice actor yeah, culture. I know a few of his, but Who not is all of them. Cell. Perfect Cell in Japanese uh, is probably the, the biggest one. He's also definitely uh, at some point been, uh, what's his name, uh, Bison. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. 
what else? What else is big? He was in uh, Rose Versailles, actually. He was the Count. Oh. Well, well, this show would have only been about, what, like 10 years after the anime came out. So, I mean, he'd still be working. I mean, he's still working. Dude's been yeah, working yeah. since forever. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Norio Wakamoto will never die. Knock on wood. He's also Johnny in Guilty Gear if you're a fighting game weeb like I am. Yeah. I just don't have the skills for playing games. Me either. It's okay. <laughs> I, I don't have that either, to be honest with you. <laughs> I was looking through to see if there's anything else that sticks out. Uh, he's in Case Closed. He was in... Right, he was obviously Cell. He's in Gintama. Uh, he's in Berserk. He's in Trigun. He's in Cowboy Bebop. He's Ooh. vicious in Bebop. Who is he uh, in Trigun? Uh, Gofsef. I, I don't know who that is. Um... <laughs> Uh, he was in Tenchi Universe. Uh, he was in all of the Tenchis, actually, as Kagato. Who the fuck is Kagato? I've watched so long. much Tenchi in my life. <laughs> and I can't remember any of it. Paging Middle School Molly. I don't. I couldn't tell you who that is now. Oh, he's the guy with the weird glasses. Ah, uh, the shitty kid. Yeah, I, I, he's the I bad feel guy. like I half remember him. But not enough to, but but just like anime glasses. He was yeah. in Sailor Moon, but only for one episode. Looks like yeah. Um, uh, Record of Lodos War. He's horse. Uh, yeah, all and over the place. The old one, and also you might know him as uh, Dracula. And he's in Mason Nikoku as Master. Interesting. Okay. Very long aside here. Yeah, he's very prodigious. He's been around the block a few times. He's also Zemnis. Yes, also this. There's so many characters in this, it makes sense that they would have (laughs) grabbed a staple. Um, Even even in this, he had been working for 15 years at this point or something like that. And he's still working today, which is crazy. Uh, so anyway, the the final shot or the final person we get here is the Rear Admiral Siegfried Kierkegaard. Um, so he's been promoted, as mentioned earlier, just from our callers. Um, I I actually didn't notice if there was a big difference between the Vice Admiral and the Rear Admiral callers. Um, and we don't have another pick of Kierkegaard here. So anyway. Uh, don't know if there is a difference there or not. Uh, for some reason, I I focus on those callers more than I probably should. Uh, so that's our that's our intro to all of the admirals. Um, oh, I actually figured out what the uh, difference is between the collars. So if you look at the shoulder on the collars, like the FLA area, uh huh, like hereish, Kierkegaard has one, and everyone else has. Two. Uh, okay. Okay. That's useful. That is very like useful. That. Yes. Um. Okay. So, yeah the uh, the narrator is the one who gave us the intro on these guys, and then once that's over, kind of Reinhardt sits down in this throne that is very tall, which is like 
<laughs> he's a marshal and he has a throne that's taller than this dude running a rebellion. It's not as tall as the emperor's throne, but it's still kind of like, this is a big fucking throne. Or at least that was my take. Um, they kind of give a brief, uh, uh, he kind of gives a brief intro and we get the name of the guy who led the last crew, which was Commodore Schmood. Um, and who died in the 3000 ship run on the Artemis necklace. Um, then Reinhardt calls Kiriki Ice, who comes to the middle in the red carpet and, and kneels and says that, uh, uh, Reinhardt orders by the Imperial decree for Kiriki Ice to take 2000 ships and go deal with the situation. Uh, Mittermeier and Ruinthal share a look here and they, uh, once once everyone's dismissed, they meet up on the balcony to talk about the situation. Because I guess, one, there's like a balcony like two feet away from this place. I assume there's balconies at the end of every hallway uh, in the Empire. Uh, that definitely seems to be where we're at. Um, and so they start talking about... Uh, uh, that this is an obvious move by Reinhardt to get uh is promoted and they're like well i sure do hope he can get the job done and then fade off into wind blowing as we pan to the right away from them Danton, so ominous so something that else that they talked about that the narrator mentioned in like that crawl but right before you actually see all the admirals is that they're all from either lower-ranking nobility or commoners, which speaks again to, you know, how much Reinhardt hates aristocracy and how much... Yeah, I actually missed that. That's I'm, I'm sure it was there, but I was watching this at like 4.30 in the morning and was drunk, so that's <laughs> nice. probably why I missed it. But yeah, that's that's really cool, actually. Yeah, so I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, I mean, does that indicate that there's no good leadership in the nobility or that uh, Reinhardt just really hates dealing with them? Probably uh, a little bit of both. Evidence of both, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a combination between hating the nobility, who doesn't care about the common people, but also just the idea of fresh new ideas versus sort of the just going along with the same old, same old... Um, like hierarchies so like all of the older generals were against them but the younger people like him and the younger people have fresh ideas and that seems to be where he's the most successful right and and you see some of this on pretty much everywhere in here right like we've got every time you see the old guard they're complaining about reinhardt <laughs> right <laughs> and every time you see the young ones they're like reinhardt is a fucking badass let's go <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it is like that on both sides, too. I mean, yeah. you see it with Winley. You see it just everywhere, basically. Yeah. It's like the old versus the young upstarts. Yeah. You do no, have a it's the children of... who are wrong. Right. Right. I feel like you. there's a few um, um, old guys who don't suck in the Free Planets Alliance. You don't get many of them over here in the Empire, though. And I, and I think the Empire is a lot more the Reinhardt show than uh, the Free Planets Alliance is the Yang Wenli show. Uh, you get 
in in Free Plants Alliance episodes, you get a lot more than just Yang. Uh, and over here, you get, like, everything is Reinhardt. <laughs> uh, or, like, immediate things of people being against Reinhardt. Right. I don't know. I, I guess, like, but it makes sense because they're more of, like, nobility and rank and hierarchy, whereas the Free Planet Alliance is in theory, supposed to be open to everybody and equality, yada, yada, yada. Like, clearly, it's kind of farcical on their end, but at least they they kind of give lip service to the idea. Nobody has expectations like that, though, in the Empire. Well, right. Politics and scheming in the Alliance, which Yang has no interest in doing. <laughs> so, <it's>... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he'll sit on the sidelines until things are so bad, right? We've run out of ideas. We're losing. Yang, take charge. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Or, or really, everything would have. Everyone would have died if that other ship hadn't exploded and knocked out the the admiral yeah. in yeah. in that first battle. <laughs> it's it's all based on that. Um. So the next thing we get here after we fade from uh, Wolfgang and and Ruinthal, Mittermeier and, and Ruinthal is uh, a shot of tea. It looks like being poured. It's very good. It could be coffee, but it looks nice. It's in a teacup. You know, it's very focused on. I, I thought I was like, damn, I could I could drink that right now. Is was my thought when I saw this. Um, they they spend a lot of time drawing that tea. Uh, and we find out that the the finance minister, who uh, it seems is unnamed, uh, but he's the finance minister, uh, and the secretary of state uh, are talking. The secretary of state is Klaus von Lichtenlade. Uh, that guy sucks, uh, as we have talked about in the past. Um, and they're chatting about Kirkiais going off to quell this rebellion, uh, and that you know, hey, the the finance minister is like, oh, that could be bad, you know, what if he wins? And the Secretary of State is like, hey, you know, I mean, people exist to be used. I got him. It's okay. Uh, hopefully he does this, and then we can use him later on, et cetera, so on, right? The general... Uh, I am here to utilize these individuals and do not care about them uh, and will use them to my own ends to make myself better politically. (laughs) He also has shoulder tassels um, and he's wearing like all yellow, it seems. Interesting look. Uh, Not sure why, (laughs) but I couldn't help but notice that his everything is a tinted yellow. Um, yeah. So there's a, the, oh, this guy's bald too. The finance minister. I know. Is bald. Proven wrong. Five <laughs> scenes later. <laughs> if he never shows up again, though, does it really count? True. He's, he's not a major enough character. Like in the same way that my, my good friend with the beard doesn't count. I don't think this guy counts either. Maybe uh, it just has to do with the financial industry. You're not allowed to have hair if you have yeah. money. Right, right, okay. I'm with you. I bet that the dude with the beard is the financial advisor to Max, you know? And we found the connection. Um, 
Yeah, so we get a cool montage here. Uh, you get a parallel one in the next episode too, uh, which is cool as well. Um, but we kind of get all the ships leaving, and it seems like there's this like parking deck for ships on the planet, uh, and all of the extremely non-aerodynamic uh, ships just can fly in and out of the atmosphere, no fucking problem. <laughs> And so they they come out of their parking deck locations and they fly off. <laughs> um, so we get kind of like shots around the planet of everyone looking up and seeing Kiriki Ice off. We get Kiriki Ice in his in his flagship. Um, you know, Reinhardt looking out, Lady Anna Rose looking out, saying, "Jig, come back safely." Because um, you say Jig, I suppose. Yeah. Hail Zeon. Zeon. Uh we also get another look of our of our gunner friends here, which I'm I don't still don't know if these are the same ones from the movie. I'm thinking they're supposed to be with how often we've seen them. They, the so. young guy looks completely fucking different from the movie though. <laughs> Is I think the main thing and the old guy does not look as old as he did in the movie either. <laughs> they must not have finalized their designs until the show started. <laughs> but uh, uh they're there. Uh the younger one is complaining. Uh, because that's what he does. Now, he's an old hand. He just complains about deployments. He's like, damn it, I can't believe we're getting deployed again. We just were in a star day. Uh, the older guy is actually, like, fixing something, which is very interesting that he just has, like, a normal toolbox with wrenches, and that can take apart this whole ship. <laughs> and, I mean, I guess on the one hand it makes sense. Like, when I think of the Navy... Uh, a lot of things are serviceable in that way because the people who are on the ship are the ones who have to service it too. Um, but anyway, um, the younger guy he fe- says he feels safer on the Brun Brunhold, which I assume is the name of Reinhardt's ship. Um, it's not the ship they're on now. I didn't look it up though because I was afraid. Um, and the older guy's like, "Don't worry, man. Kirikiyas is legit as well." Uh, um, um, yeah, and the, and the older guy, it's like, you'll, you'll understand when you get more experience how to tell if a commander is going to be good or not, basically. (laughs) So it's like, that's an interesting take. Um, it also feels like every commander we've ever seen, except Reinhardt and crew or Yang and crew are horrendously bad. So... (laughs) We finally get their names here too. Tonio oh. is our younger man, and Kurt is our older veteran. Yep. And uh, is that is that a JoJo reference? <laughs> <laughs> we all were thinking it. JoJo and X Men, yeah. I'm just kidding. It's not because the the publishing for Steel, for Diamond is Unbreakable is <laughs> like. They would have had to like do this at light speed in order to do that. <laughs> fair, fair. I don't know enough JoJo names to know even what you're talking about. So there's it's Pearl that. Jam and Nightcrawler here.
Yeah. So, Matt, we just did the scene with um, Kurt Antonio's <laughs> appearance in the first episode. Okay. Right on. Uh, yeah, I was I was glad they they got names. I didn't know they got names because they didn't say their names, and I don't have your uh, your names. Uh, and I hadn't scrolled it. Translation. <laughs> Is it <laughs> Matt? A quick question: Have you what seen up? JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? I've seen the first season. Okay, the, I've Netflix. read more of the manga. I've oh, read okay. like half of Stardust Crusaders. I've up to that part. Okay. Okay, then never mind. This uh, this was not. This is not for you. This uh, joke that Kevin not me. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. I meant to intro you earlier. Uh. But I forgot. <laughs> when you weren't here. <laughs> oh no worries. <laughs> Why don't you do your own intro? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I'm here. I'm mad. Let's go. Yeah. Okay, okay. We'll stop wasting time. Um, I'm long-winded enough as it is. Uh, So, yeah, we get uh, this guy. I, uh, Captain Volkler Axel Von Burrow um, uh, coming in uh, and kicking a bottle to meet with Captain Hans Edward Bergengrun. Um... And Bergengrun is drunk as fuck. He does not want to be here. He is like, why am I stuck on this ship with this redheaded asshole? He doesn't say redheaded asshole, uh, but the feel is there. Um, This sucks. Fuck this guy. Uh, We have no guarantee that he'll be a good commander. Which, again, it's just like... No one in this universe is a good commander. Zero of them. <laughs> How, why well, would you maybe not? Maybe that means that they're right to be pessimistic. Yeah. yeah. Fair. Fair. Um, and then Burrow's like, uh, you're a drunk asshole. Shut up. Let's go. And kind of like lifts him up, carries him out of the room. But as soon as they uh, get out of the room, they run into Kiriki Ice and uh Burrow salutes and he's like, Oh, hello, hello, Kiriki Ice. Uh you're you're a great boss. Thanks, thanks, bud, for being here. Uh but as he uh passes, Bergen Grunt is like, Our fleet numbers are a bigger deal than the way that they're deployed. Aren't you worried that we're all gonna die? Because he's a <laughs> drunk asshole. And Kiriki Ice is like, Yeah, yeah, I mean, that is worrying. You're not wrong. Okay. Thanks. Drunk guy. <laughs> um, and then he uh, just keeps walking and goes to his, uh, goes to the, um, okay. So he walks to the bridge and the drunk dude follows him and is still harassing him. And he goes like, just look, here's the fucking plans. Here's what we're going to do. And we don't actually see the plans, but we see that he's saying them and then Bergengren is left speechless with how amazing these plans are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's inspired. He's inspired by these plans. Yes. You know, maybe in the last Jedi, things would have gotten a little bit different if the captain of that ship had pulled Poe aside and done this instead of just being like, don't worry about it, Poe. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I also like that this is the first uh, actual Imperial officer that we see look 
kind of sloppy. I mean, like he's got his so he's got his uh his uniform is like unbuttoned. You can see his t-shirt. He's got a long ass beard. Like mm-hmm. yeah. we still have no proof that the admiral ones are not actual silver sitting on them because. There is a break between the silver patches on this guy's chest where the buttons go. That is not the case on the Admiral <laughs> office, officer uniforms. I have, I still am convinced that it's literal silver on their bodies, <laughs> which may not be true here. Uh, it doesn't look like it here in the unbuttoned uh, version of this. I don't know. I mean, it, you might be onto something because in the shading, like. The shading's significantly different on the the collar down than it is the inside. Right. But right. like, this is the only guy that you that we've seen thus far be sloppy. Yeah. And I, for one, appreciate it. Yeah. Yes. No, it's <laughs> yes. representation matters. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he has a. He's wearing an undershirt. We see like the barest glimpse of his undershirt there, you know, or it could be a hair, but I think it's an undershirt. Uh, and he's got like a, like a realistically proportioned beard. But so far, <laughs> I don't know that we've seen one. <laughs> Maybe there was one somewhere, but this is like. This is like, oh, he has a lumberjack beard. It looks like a quintessential lumberjack beard here. Yeah. If you beard imagine a lumberjack beard, this is it. I feel like there's not a lot of bearded dudes in <coughs> space opera animes. I mean, given that this guy's in the military, it makes sense. I'm actually kind of surprised that they're able to have the hair differences that they do, to be honest with you. Right. Yeah, it's not just all crew cuts. Yeah. But we were actually discussing earlier. Though they're what based more on like like ancient rome shit so mandatory haircuts i mean he's hit the point where he's just drinking on the job right of everyone a beard is the least of his concerns (laughs) i thought you were gonna say as soon as you start drinking on the job you just grow a full beard that's That's just like that is you know what um i would like to plead the fifth on this one <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Uh, that's how I got my beard, at least. Um, uh, I so... see you two have worked in a restaurant, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but by that same token, does that mean that Matt works in finance? Since he's the bald? Oh, oh yes. All right, damn. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have stipulated that all finance people in this universe have to be bald. Um, okay. Yes, that is that is what you missed there. Um, so we so we get a cut back to Max um, leaving the Empire behind for a second. Although I guess there's still the Empire, whatever uh, the rebellious portion of the Empire. Old boy Maximilian, um, and he is mad because he's always mad. But he's mad that they only sent two thousand ships this time instead of three thousand. He's like, what the fuck? How dare they only send us a thousand less ships than last time? I need to kill as many people as I can. Uh, he's sitting on the stairs this time instead of his instead of his hedonism throne, which interesting. Uh, I don't know why anyone would choose to sit. I've sat on stairs. I sit on stairs fairly often for no reason. Fairly often is not that often actually. Once every month, maybe I will just sit on the stairs for like five minutes. 
why would he choose to sit on the stairs? There's no reason for him to be sitting on the stairs. But there's two women also sitting on the stairs with him. And, like, three other dudes. Because I guess he just moved his court to the stairs for a couple fucking minutes. Yeah. Anyway. Um, it's the hedonism. It's the hedonism. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think it just looks cool, right? In his mind. It's just like, probably. Yeah, I, just let, I look chill. Yeah. Relaxing on the steps with the... Yeah. Just have all these women attending me. <laughs> and also so quick. Right, great. right. Hey, yeah. I may be a feudal lord, but I'm a cool feudal lord. <laughs> right. I sit on the stairs with the common folk. <laughs> That's what y'all do, right? They all happen to be hot women, but I sit on the stairs with them. Right. Yeah. Right. There is a there is a cool little animation thing here that I noticed. When he gets up, he angrily like swipes his toga and it hits the girl <laughs> that's sitting there. She like flinches away from him. It was like, wait, are you serious? Like, wow, fuck this guy. He sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, we knew he sucks, but he sucks still. <laughs> uh, bald, The bald beard guy, who has no name, I believe. Uh, Matt. <laughs> Matt. <laughs> space Matt. Matt, our, our space Matt, our good, balded, bearded friend, uh, is like, Financial you know... Advisor. <laughs> He's here and he uh, tells Max uh, that, you know, if they sent Reinhardt, there's probably a plan going on. He might not actually mention Reinhardt, but he says they probably have a plan and that's why there's less people. And Max starts freaking the fuck out. He's paranoid as shit. He's looking around. He's like, what do you mean? He goes up to his entourage and he's like, tell me what their plan is. And his entourage is like, what the fuck? My guy? What? What do you mean? Yeah. What? Art, <laughs> Art, my translation had it as, what? A plan? Like, the idea yeah. of the army having a plan is just so shocking. He's like, I can't handle this. <laughs> Again, we live in a reality where turn right is, you know, yes. the startling revelation. So yeah. these guys are like, holy shit, a plan? Yes. You can do that? <laughs> he felt very alliance uh alliance admiral here uh to me when he was yeah. blowing up about this plan um yeah and he just keeps freaking out for a little bit he's like there's no way they have a plan fazan said the necklace was invincible oh my god um and then he kind of storms off and we get like a brief look at the plan, which involves like spiraling around the planet for some reason. Uh, it's like just as Kiriki Ice finishes explaining the plan to our our old drunk friend Bergen Bergen uh, Bergengrun, um, who's still holding a full ass bottle of liquor, just like yes. standing on the bridge holding this <laughs> bottle of liquor. Like, whoa, dude! All right. He's he is now a happy drunk instead of a mad drunk and and is laughing with Kiriki eyes. He's like, dude, that's a badass plan. We got this shit, bro. What are you gonna do when uh when it's over? And Kiriki eyes is like, uh, well, hopefully they'll surrender. And he's like, no fucking way. They're not surrendering, man. You're gonna have to murder all of them, bro. Lol. <laughs> and and Kiriki is like. Kiki Ice is like, I bet you just think I'm naive. And Bergen Grun's like, no, and I, hey man, I hope you're right. I hope you're right, okay? <laughs> I hope you're right. Bergen Grun does not salute when he leaves, which I thought was an interesting 
take here or note here. Um, he is so drunk he has even stopped saluting to his superior officers, <laughs> which is bad. Uh, Bureau does does salute, however, before he leaves. Yep. Yeah, uh- and then he gets to go into the sober tank. Oh, so basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I like that that's still a part right? of mm-hmm. Yeah, like you get you get all of your eight hours of sleep in one hour. You sober up immediately. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like cool. it's just I I like that scene because like like you said, it was a total one eighty. It's like Beard and Groon is here. He's ready to go. And then that's it. Jump in the tank, and he's like a whole new man afterwards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was good. We did. We do have a brief flashback scene, uh, breaking those two scenes up for some reason, uh, which has uh, we go back to the end of the previous episode when Kirkyeis and Reinhard run into Anna Rose's house to have dinner, uh, and so now they're ha- at dinner. Uh, uh, Anna Rose is like, hey, hey, Reinhard, can can you get some wine for us? Just you know, let's let's go get some wine. We're adults now; we can drink. You know, go to the cellar and the wine cellar and pick a bottle. Uh, and I'm sure that wine cellar is fucking enormous. Also, uh, but anyway, while he's gone, uh, 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 and Anna Rose move to the nearby balcony. Which is about five steps away, um, so that they can uh, talk. Talking on balconies is uh, what we do here. Uh, some romantic music starts playing, and uh, Anna Rose asks a few high-level things here of Kirkyice um, to make sure that Reinhard remembers to look at his feet when he's walking, because Reinhard looks so far ahead that he doesn't notice what has, what's at his feet, and who knows who will trample on, presumably. Um, and Kierkegaard has to remind him. And then also that Reinhard might need to be scolded when that happens, but only you, Kierkegaard, only you can, can scold him. But if Reinhard ever stops listening to you, Kierkegaard, that'll be his downfall. And... Yeah, so that's kind of the the thing. Anna Rose is like, "You're the only one I can count on, Kirikiyas. You're the only you're the only guy for for my brother." And mm. and uh, <laughs> yeah, Kirikiyas is like, "Well, okay, yeah, that's I got you." Yeah, very ominous. Mm-hmm. Like it's foreshadowing something. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm waiting for a scene where he doesn't listen to Kirikiyas, and I'm like, okay, this might be it. <laughs> right it's like just every scene now it's like well what's gonna happen <laughs> so one of the things that i really like about this scene is that how do i put it this way uh you can see that even 10 5 8 years later now that they're both fully adults you know kierkegaard is that still clearly has the hots for anna rose uh and also, I really hope that she's actually a good cook and baker, the way that they make her out to be. Yeah. Yeah, they were like, if you make the wine, I'm yeah. sure it's good. And I'm like, how do you think wine is made? Do you yeah. think she literally made the wine? <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, that's why the oh. Emperor's been looking for all of these young women, right? Because they're like the perfect weight in order to step on the grapes and get the mm. ideal mm. bit mm. of grape juice out. You crack the code. <laughs> Makes sense. 
That's definitely what it is, and not uh, wanting to have a harem of underage women. That's definitely not it. Not our impression. No, oh, nonsense. Also, quick question. Does anyone think that Reinhardt knows what sex is? Uh, no. He's too, he, like, he's got that Kiryu vibe. <laughs> that Kiryu Dante yeah. vibe where he knows, he may have heard that it exists, but he doesn't know what it is. No, I bet he knows what it is because from a amassing power standpoint, he has embraced the knowledge of it, but he's probably kept himself away from specifics. It's not a part of his plan, so he just disregards it. Yeah, I right. kind of figured that. I, that's yeah. what I thought, too. It's, it's not leading a ship, so whatever. No. I feel like he probably has one of those, like, my bodily fluids kind of mindsets. <laughs> He's that dude, uh, Star, I think it was, from uh, Preacher. Oh, I was going to say that Dr. Strangelove guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, if yeah. Siegfried, on the other hand, still a middle school boy, like, oh, yeah. Oh, that guy fucked. Huh? Yeah. I mean, he... <laughs> he thinks about we it. We saw his sexual awakening. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That yep. was last episode, yeah. was his sexual awakening. <laughs> She's just like, protect my brother, Ziggy, and then her hair just, like, blows across the screen right in his face, and he's like, okay, okay. Yes. <laughs> At least Anything he did it for you. Yeah, at least he didn't come this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would have been bad, probably. That we know. Might be better at hiding it. That we know. Uh, yeah. 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 I wish you weren't all right about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the flashback ends. He he basically repledges again to be. Reinhardt's right-hand man for all eternity. Reinhardt is my my king, my my husband, my man. Um, and Kyrgyz is like, well, I guess we'll try this this plan that me and, me and Reinhardt came up with. And it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, that's why you're here, dude. You're, you're already there. You, you already drove there. You gotta fucking do it now. Like, okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like, it feels like he knows that it's a good plan, but after the flashback, he's like, well, I guess we'll try this plan, this crazy plan that no one's ever thought of. And it's like, you fucking thought of, you are the one. <laughs> anyway, just silly. Also, this very is the humble. commercial break as well after this very brief hit back at the fleet. Um, and I noted I had 2,000 words written <laughs> at this point, which is <laughs> it's bad stuff. You should just like update every <laughs> Wikipedia episode entry. Like, you probably have more info than they do. Yeah, you might as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's too much though is the problem something I actually meant to talk to say earlier when you talked about uh, watching the show weekly uh, you wouldn't have had to deal with this this was never broadcasted this went straight OVA really really this is the I think this might still be I think it still has the record for uh, longest OVA in history but okay 
was it successful? Was it like financially successful? Because I mean, it was so many episodes. I mean, they, OVAs, I thought, wouldn't that would be harder? You know what I mean? They did all hundred plus of this, plus the sixty for Guy uh, Den, plus the movies, plus the other movie, plus the other movie, plus the other movie, plus the other movie, <laughs> and then thirty years later, the two broadcast TV. TV broadcast anime, which are much less gay somehow. That's disappointing. That's sad. Like yeah. they, like they had the the designer for Kuroko's basket, and then they took that five feet away energy and made it no, really five feet away. <laughs> the uh, yeah, I somewhat assumed that they were weekly just because there's dates on it, but I guess it was like. Each DVD would release, or I guess it would be VHS at the time. Um, each VSS, VHS would release over that time period they listed. Because there's like a seven-month time period listed for each part of the series. It's divided into four parts. Yeah. Um, so it, it would still be, if you were watching this as it came out, buying a VHS, watching two episodes. So basically what we're doing, I guess. Really? <laughs> It was two episodes of VHS? Maybe three? I assume so, because it's Japan. Oh, man. And somebody <laughs> sink. I mean, that was our, like, high school anime experience for the most part. Was yeah. it not the same for you guys? Dude, I I had so many Dragon Ball Z VHSs with, like, three or four episodes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, they, they did, yeah. I think I'm the youngest person here, so... I had CDs and eventually hard drives. <laughs> Most of what I had when I was in yeah. high school was that stuff. But before high school, it was like, oh, I'm borrowing my friend's bootleg rips of DBZ <laughs> movies to watch yeah. Lord Slug. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that brings me back. Or you'd go to you'd go to like a comic convention and you'd find the bootlegs there and it would just be so grainy. Oh, it sounds yeah. like the dream. <laughs> it is not it was not the dream in some ways it was the dream i mean considering what you could get i mean that sounds like, yeah, yeah it was no it was it was a delightful experience it was shitty quality but you and your friends got together in your mom's basement and you're mm-hmm. like guys oh my god look what i have it's like sometime after goku gets to nam it <laughs> like, yeah. that's right he gets there it's crazy <laughs> Do you ever watch like uh, the Spanish network? And they'd have Dragon Ball Z further than yeah. we would have. Yeah. 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 So I actually got into Dragon Ball because of the Spanish networks. I would watch Dragon Ball and Lost Universe were uh, my go-to's on Telemundo. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was always really jealous of people who got Telemundo because I was like, I I would learn Spanish to watch Dragon Ball Z. But we just didn't get that channel. Although I do remember that we... No, I'm lying. I remember watching Dragon Ball here uh, when I was a kid. And then when I moved to Venezuela, back to Venezuela, they had Dragon Ball Z. And I was like, yo! <laughs> he grows up? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it listed like a year for each one. So I was like, well, I assume that came out not all at once, but maybe it did. That'd be pretty cool if it did, actually. Yeah, like, it, just here's 26 block, episodes. Block, block, block. Yeah. 
So, like, season one came out in, like, 83 or whatever, and then season two in 84. So, again, it's what the what's confusing me is it says, first part, 26 episodes, December 1988 to June 1989. So, maybe they just don't know the exact date, and they all came or, out at once, or whatever. Yeah. Where the book the books were earlier. The books were like eighty two yeah. or something like that. Yeah. The 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 show was late eighties, early nineties. So Okay. Anyway, back to this. We fade back up from the commercial break. Uh and this is where we get the the fun scene of of uh Bergen Grun uh coming putting himself together becoming a, a real man who's not a drunkard on the job uh, he throws away his full bottle of alcohol and and uh, bro is like what's his name again? I it was Burlow here Burrow <laughs> Burrow oh my god these screenshots so many yeah I'm drunk actually. do you think I want to die sober? yeah <laughs> <laughs> I like that line. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> Immediately endeared me to him. Yeah. It, it is wild to me, though, that, like, Bergen Grun has enough self-control to, like, completely throw away this bottle, but not enough self-control to put the top back on and maybe drink it after the battle. It's completely full. It's so it's full. Symbolic. Yeah. It's symbolic. It's yeah. trying to like, go yeah. sober. Permanently, he went to an AA meeting. A space A meeting. Yeah. I, that's what I was thinking. That's that's the mark of an alcoholic. You just, I gotta throw it away because you don't have that self-control. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, w- I was thinking he should give it to one of his underlings who maybe don't have the luxury of just like, I don't know, materializing full bottles of whiskey or whatever that is you know that's some expensive ass whiskey too right Probably like, there's no way he's drinking the cheap shit nah he's definitely drinking the mid-level shit at best <laughs> on a captain's salary come on yeah. <laughs> it was a glass bottle so it's not the lowest level like shit that's out there <laughs> bro this is a glass bottle and it's not expensive true true okay well, anyway, he throws his alcohol away. He becomes sober, and then we get the scene of him reporting in to Kiriki Ice again. Uh, we get the plan again, uh, or a overhead view of the plan, basically, and Kiriki Ice kicks it off. And the plan is that they send in the engineering ships first. Uh, so we get Max being like, "What's happening? What are they doing? Why aren't they moving? I need more magnification, magnify." But they're at maximum magnification. So what are you gonna do? You can't enhance anymore. Um, we get a—he's holding his glass and his hand is shaking. One of those classic moves. Um, you've seen it in many places. Um, he orders he orders one of his guys to get in a ship and go look and then report back because they can't get the the, the video's not good enough. And, and this dude is like, that's unreasonable. And and our, our good friend Maximilian is like, unreasonable? I'll show you fucking unreasonable. Throws his glass at him, the guy dodges, and then <laughs> these two women scream because it explodes near them when it hits the ground. <laughs> and, 
And he's like, oh no, ladies, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to discipline you. And he turns back to the other guy and he's like, why'd you dodge? Grabs like a wooden sword and just starts beating the shit out of him. Like, oh my god. <laughs> now, I thought it was interesting during the scene, like, we don't ever see any soldiers working for Max. It's just him and his Roman entourage. I was wondering, like, how much of the Artemis necklaces, like, automated systems? Like, when he goes out and commands, like, there's no soldier be like, yes. We usually see both sides of battle, so it's really interesting for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we are seeing both sides here, right? Because that is the... This is Max's side. Mm-hmm. It, he doesn't have any soldiers. No soldiers would follow this dumbass. The nobility is useless. <laughs> Repeated over and over again. It's what it's what Reinhard says into his pillow at night. <laughs> you know, I also um, noticed that he's trying to command from the dinner table. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's that's a unique way of commanding. I guess it's a unique place to command from. Uh, yeah. You see the like the big the big chicken here. Yeah. Uh, which is it's like oh damn he's just he's going for it just eat eat and command right mm-hmm. you can you can do both it's a whole new society he's forming here. <laughs> and then he hits so crate. I mean sorry spaceman. Yes yes. Uh, so the. <laughs> We kind of get shots of the whole room kind of being like, yo, is this really happening? As he's beating the shit out of the guy who won't go fly up in the air. Uh, but then my my friend, uh, Space Matt, Baldo, bald beard guy, uh, looks at the screen and he's like, they're moving! They're moving! And Max is like, oh yes, finally, they're falling into my trap! And then he turns around and he slaps Space Matt in the face. <laughs> and Space Matt's like, wait, what? what was that for and he was like you made me think that they had a plan how dare you (laughs) Uh, this is just it's a lot it's a lot Um, so he's very excited and he orders the necklace to fire and then we see oh the plans already happened Um, the plans already happened and uh, instead of firing a red cloud forms around the entire necklace um uh Max is the feed cuts out uh so they can't see anymore. Max is like, What what's happening? Uh some women scream at the window, he runs over to the window and there's an Aurora Borealis and also uh the you can see the red of the necklace in the sky and lightning strikes and it's very like, Oh shit. Um and then we get back to uh Kiriki Ice on the bridge Everyone there is like, hell yeah, we did it! And Bergen Grun is like, oh man, he's serious about this. He's he's gonna he's gonna actually do it, huh? <laughs> uh, we we kind of get like a little bit of uh, the gunners here uh, once again. Our boys that I need to write their names down. Tomio of Kurt. Tomio and Kurt. Yes. <laughs> Tomio and Kurt are. Uh, uh, let's see. Tomio's the younger one, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. The Tomio's bewildered, and the older or Kurt is like, "Oh yeah, you know they probably had directed." Uh, and I think we have a difference in translation here. It said Cephal. It said Cephal in my translation. I think it was something Zephyr? else. Zephyr. 
Zeph- I had Zeph- Zephyr particles. Yeah, Zephyr particles. I think that's probably right. Zephyr <laughs> particles. Yeah, there's uh, Z- Zephyr particles, which I was really amused here because Tomio's like, oh, oh, those explosive gas particles. And Kurt's like, what? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. The the explosive gas particles. You got it. That's that's the one. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, I, I did not follow the explanation of what they were doing to destroy the necklace. So the Zephyr particles are super explosive, and they just kind of spread them out all over the, uh, all around the, all around the rings, so that it makes it so that you're firing in a. Did you ever play Metal Gear Solid One? No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I can't pick up on any of your references. Well, no, this one is... So it'd be like if you're in a cloud of flammable yeah. gas and yeah. lit a match and just... Okay. Yeah, basically that. I'm not sure how they shot them like that, though. Um, directed particles, my ass, number one. <laughs> um, but whatever, that's fine. <laughs> that's what the engineering ships are for, I guess. Oh, <laughs> the engineering ships. That's right. Yes. Also, the the classical music for the episode was part of that scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. What was it? Do you know? Um, nope, okay. nope. I was like, no music, no music. Classical music, and it was just there for like two seconds, and then it was gone. Okay. But also, yeah. If the just low level gunners are able to figure out this plan, like. <laughs> Well, we already know that everyone who is even remotely related to Reinhardt is a tactical genius. And Reinhardt is the most tacticalist geniusist of them all. But they're all tactical geniuses. And no one else has any ability to understand what the concept of a plan is. So, like, those are the levels we're dealing with here. That's true. I, I just, I feel like, you know, it's so basic. If if it, uh, if your lowest level guys are getting it, you'd think that someone would yeah. think about it? Well, to be fair, it's the, you know, guy in the toga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, outsmarting here, not... That's true. Yeah. He... He is in the middle of a toga party where I guess his entire evolution was, what if we always were in a toga party? (laughs) I actually wrote down in my notes that uh, space togas will never not be hilarious. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They're really funny. I don't know what it is, but it's it's just like, well, okay, you're just toging it. All right. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, so... Uh, we get we go back to the planet here where we see Kyrkias, uh broadcasting his um, his missive. Basically, hey, we've destroyed your defenses. Surrender, and uh, you won't you, you. We will treat you lean, lean, leniently, leniently. Um, and Max is like, "Fuck you!" Turns off the transmission, and then we get. Uh, uh, there's like a very there's a half a second back on it and Bergen Grun is like, uh, I guess your prediction was wrong and then we go back to the planet and now we get Max being <laughs> fucking insane. This is this is the 
culmination of Max being fucking insane. Uh, the first shot, he there's a golden fruit holder directly in front of him, and he just swipes all the fruit off of it, which is just like, okay, all right, this is a, a strong move number one. It's basically, <laughs> and Matt, I know you're not going to get this reference, a Phoenix Wright culprit breakdown right here. Yeah, it kind of is. He's like, he's like, no, there's no way it's true. They would, they would definitely murder anyone who defied the empire. Um, he's kind of walking around being like, I'm gonna get killed. I'm gonna get killed, and all of you, you guys will all get killed too. I'm ruined. It's all your fault. It's all of your faults. You convinced me, and you convinced me, and you convinced me, and you convinced me. How could you? And and then there's. The thing that stuck out the most to me here is this phrase of, considering what's happened, I should have just quietly surrendered the assets. <laughs> <laughs> yes, hindsight truly is twenty twenty. Right, right. <laughs> and then he's like, no, it was my dad's fault for stealing the assets. No, it was Fazan's fault for selling me this bunk ass. Oh man, I know, I can go to Fazan. And then while he's saying this, there's like, Extremely Chekhov's gun standing on a knife mm-hmm. here. <laughs> he's just, he's literally just standing on the knife. It's like, okay, all right. Um, and then Max is like, well, why aren't you preparing the way for us to go to Fazan? We, we got this. I'll take the ladies and I'll take the jewels. <laughs> like, okay. Why don't you let yourself on fire, Socrates? <laughs> yes, yes. Then he tells, then he tells Space Matt uh, to light himself on fire. <laughs> Because at least if the body's burned, then then they will spend some time figuring out that it's not him and he can get away. Yeah, not even like a permanent solution. Just like kill yourself. And before you kill yourself, take this guy hostage. Yeah. Too, you know. yeah. If I have a hostage, it'll help. <laughs> <laughs> and so... So Space Matt here is is like, okay, it's over. It's fucking over. So he kneels down, grabs the knife, comes up, and he's like, there's a better way out of this. And it's to do this! And he just stabs him in the chest. Um, Very, like, gruesomely, there's gross sounds here. You get, like, you see the hole that he stabbed him in. It's like, oh, fuck, shit. Goddamn. At two, Space Matt? Yeah, basically. (laughs) At two... Uh, the dramatic the dramatic music starts here uh as well um just very like dun dun as he got stabbed uh and max is like what why aren't you arresting him and then everyone else stabs him just like fucking 30 dudes stab him he starts walking towards the ladies he's like oh ladies you'll save me and they pick up uh, steak knives and they stab him Yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite part. Yeah. Same. Everyone's just done with it. Like, yeah, I'll get on all this. Yeah. You don't want to be the only one not to stab him. <laughs> Seriously, you never pass up a good stab. Yeah, yeah. And then he's just there with the two steak knives sticking out of his chest here. It's just like And then he uh falls down the stairs uh for a while. Uh, and the same stairs that he was so cool on earlier, and uh, then he's dead at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if the author just really, really, really enjoyed plays and was like, 
in Japan, they've never seen Julius Caesar, so it'll be like it's brand new. Yeah, <laughs> so creative. <laughs> I feel like there was some level of they just said, "Oh, uh, this planet, this planet is the Julius Caesar planet." When, right. when we go here, Star Trek idea, right? Yeah, right? this is the planet of Nazis. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's that planet. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I just like how there was no there was no question he was gonna get stabbed at any point or any <laughs> yeah. of this. Like Once you knew it was coming. Once the knife was there. Yeah. You're just like, Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I was wondering I and, and now we know. And he's dressed for it <laughs> right, and everything. Right. <laughs> oh, but man. they've now been liberated from the tyrant. <laughs> Yes, the, the they have been liberated. Uh, Kiriki Ice directs everyone to land, which again we get shots of these extremely non aerodynamic ships landing. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, the amount of thrust being shown here is not enough to stop them from crashing into the ground. Uh, but hey, whatever. Um, Bergen Grun, or before we actually get those shots, Bergen Grun is fully come around he's like kiriki ice is the man i love kiriki ice he's number one stunner pimp he is the best um i don't there's a little girl here named hilda running to see her father i think that this is her father is marindorf i think so yeah yeah um so marindorf got rescued uh so that's good uh and then we're back on the empire now and we get Another shot of the finance minister and our secretary of state uh, talking. And the secretary of state's like, they say a person's usefulness is determined by how they can be used, which is a useless (laughs) statement. It's this very, (laughs) presumably it's some Japanese thing that, you know, is just a phrase. Um, But yeah. Uh, And then we get another like little montage of like a parade and, uh, Mittermeier and Runthal are like, he did it! Go, Kiriki Ice! Um, and then a shot in Reinhardt's darkened room that night, which is very ominous here. Reinhardt looks scary. I don't know why he's portrayed like this in this scene, considering, but uh, maybe it's meant to be more like brooding than scary, I guess, but I, I kind of got scary. Um, and he's like, good job, Kiriki Ice. Kiriki Ice is like, I'm so sorry. Blood was shed. A single man, the guy who incited it, was murdered. And Reinhardt's like, don't worry. It wasn't your fault, Kiriki Ice. It was the shadow of the empire we're in. Um, yeah. And then on the way out, Reinhardt's like, we don't do things like that, right? And Kiriki Ice is like, no, we don't. Don't worry, Reinhardt. We're we're good guys. Mm-hmm. Well, going back, Kirky Ice orders no plundering, plundering or killing when we land on this planet. And if you violate it, it means death. Yeah. yeah. So very strict on that. Right. And then he was immediately called naive again mm-hmm. by the beard guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is very true yes but but yeah i, I like that as well so i uh took so long to get back to that but yeah, the fine. uh the that that felt like going back to our conversation last episode about 
uh, Kirikiyas being the heart and soul of this venture. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, he's like, nah, y'all don't get to just loot and pillage here. That's not it. That's not us. Uh, I thought that was really cool as well. Reinhardt would not have remembered to instruct them. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> He would have been like, oh, yeah, Kierke Ice, thanks for reminding me. Good <laughs> yeah. idea. We should probably tell him not to do that. <laughs> I, don't know, I feel like Reinhardt would remember, because that's like a nobleman thing to do, would be to be like, to forget. To be like, oh, yeah, you know what? You guys did some work. Have fun. Take some comfort, women. <laughs> that's definitely the nobleman thing to do, so just based on that, I feel like Reinhardt himself would also be like, Kierke doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I still think he'd have to be reminded of it first. That, yeah. right. I think he would reprimand and punish, but I don't think he'd remember to be yeah. like, guys, don't go crazy. He, yeah. he would definitely yeah. execute people for doing it. He would just yes. would forget to tell them not <laughs> yeah. to do it. Yeah, that's yes. actually. Well, because Kierke Ice is now established the conscious of Reinhardt. It's just 100%. So Reinhardt wants to be like Kierke Ice, and probably is, but for how long? Right. Dun dun dun. dun, dun. He's focused on the future. You know, can't see his feet. He can't see yeah, his feet. Can't see his feet. <laughs> and we all He's know if you're just walking, you're gonna like make corpses happen. It's just <laughs> guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, and then we get a we get a quick shot back on Fazan here. Uh, Rabinsky's like, man, Kirky Ice, that guy is a badass. Luckily, he's content under Reinhardt. And then this, his random aide there is like, shouldn't we tell the Alliance about the Artemis necklace? And Rabinsky's like, who do you think told the Empire about the about the weakness in the <laughs> Artemis necklace? And <laughs> oh, is that what is that what you got out of that? That is okay. what I got out of that. Yeah, yeah. Did anybody else get it as, shouldn't we warn the Alliance about the weakness of the necklace? And then they're like, well, how would we know about the weakness? With the implication being they'd only know because they sold it. Yeah, I thought it was, should we warn the Empire about the weakness? Yeah, I just looked at it now. That's what he says. He says Empire about the weakness? Because the Alliance is the one that has it around their home planet. Yeah, so, I thought it was should we warn the Alliance? It is but should I don't we warn the Alliance? Shouldn't the Alliance be told there is a weak point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Says yeah. 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 And 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 what I was saying was that's definitely what the aide said. And then I thought Rubinsky's response was like, I thought he said, "Who do who do you think told the Empire about this weakness?" And that was Rubinsky saying, hey, we told the Empire how to take this thing out so that when they go fight the Alliance, they can take this thing out. Uh, I thought they said, how do we know about the weakness? That Well, in our translation, he does say, how did you know there was a weakness? Yeah. (laughs) And the aide says, well, yeah, it coughs. And then it just pans in on Lex Luthor, Mm -hmm. fades into the warning of the Promotion. Translation <laughs> issues. Oh man. Well, that is the superior translation still, but yes. <laughs> Here, let me pull up the quote as well. Actually, they both kind of work. Because I, I thought it was more clear there. Let's see. Uh, 
So they said, how do you think he knew about that weakness? So they didn't specify the Empire, but it was... Oh, Oh, I mean, that makes sense. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's just a confusing translation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and, uh, to be clear, I I think both of these translations have had problems. (laughs) So in parts, we both have clarified things for each other. (laughs) So I'm glad we're watching both, actually. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and then we get the narrator taking us out as uh, Kyrkiais is promoted, um, and that due to this event, uh, Kyrkiais is now the presumed number two of the Reinhard camp. Um, and then we end on a single line of about Yang, as Yang's preparations for the Isserloin assault are proceeding, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and that's it. That's, that's it. Then we're done. <laughs> nice. Nice. That yeah. was a good good self-contained episode mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. kirk is also having a meteoric rise mm-hmm. in the military now yeah because he's like, like he, six episodes in they're like basically half in control <laughs> yeah he's like even more commoner than like anyone else in the show right mm-hmm. or at least that was my take he's just like happened to be reinhardt's next door neighbor when reinhardt was uh fully disgraced as a Disgraced rich. Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, yeah, episode six. Or that was the end of episode five. Any thoughts uh, in general that we haven't touched on already? Uh, Nobility continues to be more and more useless with every passing episode. That's true. Mm-hmm. They are literally just in a toga party this whole time. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was interesting seeing how the Empire doesn't have a hold on every part of itself. Like, I mean, it's funny because he's in a toga, but like, he literally is just some feudal lord that basically like decided, hey... I'm on my own planet. Why should I be part of this empire or do anything? And how are they going to take care of it? I mean, kind of like what the alliance, the planetary alliances, a little bit, but on a small scale, just on like some rich asshole, like the modern equivalent of ha- some rich guy on an island, basically. Oh, man. Like yeah. his dad embezzled all this yeah. money as the <laughs> yeah. finance minister. And they're like, right. eh, whatever. We'll get to that it's eventually. Fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so he's basically Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like, you know how... Do you remember it was in the news one or two years ago? It was like there was some big meeting for rich people about climate change. And instead of being like, what we can, what can we do to help fight climate change? It was like, hey, you should give us tips on, like, building our own security forces. <laughs> maintaining, like, compounds. So when this all happens, the poor won't be able to burn our houses down. <laughs> and uh I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely something there with all of this nobility being like what's that? There's people in our ships that run them? <laughs> what the fuck do you mean? <laughs> yeah, no care of the individual. <laughs>